0: Well, for our business session today, I'm delighted to um, have three significant architects from significant international practices to talk about the subject of how one uh, develops and nurtures talent within the office. And I think for the purposes of this discussion, we might talk about the effects of pandemics at the end of the session. But for the moment, let's assume uh, reasonably normal times. Um, And here to discuss this subject, we have Kim Herforth-Nielsen, co-founder and principal of 3XN uh, Architects, Uh, Jamie von Klemperer, president and design principal uh, at Cone Pedersen Fox, and Tracy Meller, a partner in Rogers Thurk Harbour and Partners. Um, Hello to you all and thank you for your time. And I thought we might start this session. I'll invite each of you in turn uh, to say, what, what mentors did you have in your uh, careers when you were young architects? Uh, who looked after you? Who nurtured your talent? Uh, and as a result of that nurturing, did it mean that you, you stayed in an office longer than you might have done? Um, Tracy, I'm gonna kick off with you, if I may. Absolutely. Um, hello, and
1: thank you very much for having us here. Um, It's funny you should ask the question that way because that's exactly what happened to me. I worked uh, through college, I I needed to um, add to the uh, income during college, so I I worked through college. Um, I did a year out um, when I came out in one of the recessions and there was absolutely no work. I was very lucky to get a job at Farrell's and at the time it wasn't a practice that I felt I was necessarily aligned with, but it was a job. and I I wanted to grab all the opportunities I could have. And I met Aidan Potter there who was one of the design partners and as a result of his uh, guidance and mentoring, I stayed there for two years out and then worked through my diploma and then came back after university and I sort of knew in my heart of hearts it wasn't the right practice for me, but I was learning so much from that individual and it was actually kind of with his support that I decided I, I needed to move on, which was the right decision for me but absolutely the case of someone really helping me develop my thinking, even if it resulted in me leaving the practice he represented.
0: And can I ask whether that was the result of um, any sort of formal programme within the Farrell office, or was it pretty much left to uh, individuals who found common cause to kind of just just, uh, uh, pass on what advice and experience they had?
1: At the latter, I think it was more good luck than anything else. I ended up working with Aidan quite early on in my time there and we clicked and he, he's a natural teacher. So I think that it, it, it was good luck. I mean, the nature of the practice at the time was very supportive of students and, you know, gave us access to model shop and all sorts once we were back at college. So it, the, the nature of the practice was nurturing, but it was wasn't a formal program.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, Jamie, can I turn to you the same question? Yeah, I
2: would say I I lacked a mentor for the first uh, three four years of, of work out of school, and uh, and wondered whether I would continue to be an architect because I found the the first years of work incredibly uh, stultifying in a number of ways. Back when we were drafting with uh, parallel bars and plastic leads, um, but I, I and there was though I joined KPF fairly early on after about a year out uh, which is where I am today. And, uh, so, and there was no formal program at all. It was kind of a fledgling firm. Uh, it wasn't so organized at that point, probably still isn't today, but, uh, I did happen on a, uh, a, a young partner in the firm named William Louie, who is himself very much, much of a, a, a craftsman, a taskmaster, uh, sort of, uh, uh, Someone who d- didn't define himself in any channel of, of practice more of a general generalist and a, a sort of chief cook and bottle washer did everything and he took me through my paces so it was sort of for me the, the great mentorship there was a strong and de- demanding uh, character who uh, exacted all, all all manner of uh, disciplines uh, on the work and um, and became uh, a friend and mentor to me but not through any design uh, or, you know, any planning or any, any formal structure or and, and not really anything I expected. But he's been a, a, all the way through and he's just retired uh, about a week ago after, uh, you know, uh, I've been with him now for maybe close to 35 years in the firm.
0: Well, that's a lovely tribute. Kim, uh, what what was your experience?
3: Well, when i uh, already from, when I was in architect school, we actually uh, formed a team, the three Nilsen's, uh, three extended, three times Nilsen. Uh, and um, I, I thought I learned more from the other students, actually, than I did from the, the, the teachers. And uh, we were dedicated to to start up. I didn't start up right after the architect school. I went to C.F. Muller and Mass Muller, he was sort of a mentor in how to do business, uh, and he learned me all about how to do the business part of of, uh, of, of, of an office. Um, but my mentors were more my colleagues, actually, I would say, how we worked together and how we developed all the ideas. And uh, that was quite exciting.
0: Well, that's that's an unusual one, because uh, it's, it's one way to uh, bypass the problems of employment is to start your own practice as rapidly as possible. Um, I'm going to I'll stick with you Kim if I may because my second question uh, to each of you is uh, in normal years uh, how many young architects would you expect to join your practice and and how do you go about selecting them how do you talent spot Kim you first
3: well I think we get between 10 and 20 maybe more every year uh, and um, the way that we attract them is uh, to do good stuff for ourselves. I think that's first, fo- first of all. All the foremost you have to um, attract a young, talented architect to go and do uh, good work, um, and then to respect them when they come in and, and use them uh, on the long term to involve them in the in the in the team. Uh, everybody that comes in, more or less, everybody that comes in starts actually more or less uh, right from the school. Most of them actually do. Uh, so they come in and participate in the competitions. And we do uh, a lot of competitions. Uh, it's quite unusual maybe from US, but uh, here in Denmark, we um, we live from maybe 80, 90% of our work is, uh, is from architectural competitions. So we have uh, a third of my company is actually doing competitions all the time. So um, these young architects, they come in and are part of this uh, these teams Uh, and I think uh, you have to involve them uh, and you have to get the best out of them and that motivates them and that creates a a team spirit uh, at the office
0: and do you do you recruit them on the basis I mean do you advertise the fact that you're you're seeking uh, you know graduates to come and work at the firm or do they approach you? I imagine many do, and you look at their portfolios. How how do you how do you pick that ten to twenty each year?
3: Oh that's a that's a mixture. We um we are teaching uh, or lecturing anyway, and we have contacts to to architects' uh, schools around the world. But also um, we get a lot of um, uh, approaches from 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 architects all over the world, and we have a big uh a big portfolio to learn lo- to to look into uh and then we do interviews and take the best in of course um and that's that's, that's how how it's being done i think it's probably more than 20 when i think about it. it's pre- maybe 30 40 people be taken uh in in all of our countries
0: and are they mainly are they mainly danish or or you because you're you're working all over the world it's a very international practice what's the split between Danes and
3: others? We take more foreigners in the Danish, to be honest, uh, because we work internationally. We have uh, 90% or more of our work outside Denmark. So we try to take a mix in that reflects where we work. Um, I think that's very important to have people from all over the world. And, and, and uh, the, one of the reasons why we work abroad is because it's so exciting to work in all the different cultures. So we want to have the different cultures in the, in the office uh, as well. And we have that, so we have, I think, 20 different nationalities or more uh, in, in the office. Uh, and then, as I say, um, most of them are, uh, at, the, at the time being, maybe uh, 60% are foreigners and, 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 and 40% are, are Danish.
0: And if if people stay with you for maybe a couple of years, do you expect the overseas people at some point, all to come to Copenhagen to to see head office.
3: Yeah, some of them we have some 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 turnarounds. So we have, for example, we have the the office in Sydney, uh, and we we swap people that people are going from here to Sydney, people from Sydney to Copenhagen, uh, and that, that is that is also important to um, to get the DNA of the office to uh, to to mix uh, the different uh, offices. Uh, uh, and and the way that we do things is always in collaboration. There's no um, no office that only does their own stuff. We do it in collaboration with a with the main office that is is here in all, uh, here in Copenhagen all the time.
0: Thank you very much. Well, perhaps I can address the same question to uh, to you, Tracy. Um, uh, quite a large office, not a gigantic office, but quite a substantial office uh here in london not very far from the world architecture festival offices um on the edge of of the city um how many how many people would you expect to take on it in a normal year i'm going to exclude this very strange year for for the purposes of this question
1: we wish we could all exclude this strange year um normally we would take probably six to eight year out students so for those not in the uk that's the gap between your part one and your part two and then generally three to four graduates i.e who have completed their part two their diploma
0: now imagine that you have hundreds of applications to come and work for the practice um do you get do you get an employment consultant to deal with the paperwork and weed out people who are really inappropriate or or do you guys do everything yourselves
1: no we do it ourselves and in fact slightly uh i've been doing i've been leading the recruitment team at the office for probably the best part of 15 years and the team has grown and changed and i spend slightly less time interviewing probably than i used to but there's a group of six or eight of us and we sort of keep rotating it we review the CVs, so there's, a, there's an administrative role that logs them all, but we review them. Um, we really enjoy it. We all sit in the meeting room and go through, pull them out, discuss them, share interesting stuff. And from that, we shortlist for interview. And then we interview quite widely. We probably interview three or four for each position we end up giving. Um, and sometimes we keep going. If we don't think we've quite got there, we'll, we'll go back to the pile and, and keep pulling out and keep interviewing. And our interviews are quite, there's always at least two of us who interview um, and we they're usually an hour or so and we, we really try and I think students are often quite intimidated coming to the office. I think they feel like they're a bit sort of um, uh, overwhelmed by it. So we put quite a lot of time and effort into trying to really make them feel at ease so we get to see the best of them. And that does take time so We do quite long interviews, get them to talk about their work, but also, you know, their wider aspirations. their backgrounds, their education, to really try and get a feel because it's, it is obviously largely portfolio. But for us, it's also very important that it's a fit and um, potential as well.
0: And do you, do you have an explicit diversity agenda when you're doing that recruiting? Or is it essentially just getting the, the, the best talents and, you know, let the diversity fall where it may?
1: We, I'd say we don't have a diversity criteria and we don't have quotas. Um, We have a diversity awareness. So we will definitely make sure that in our sort of shortlist for interview, we've got a diverse range. And if it it keeps coming back, that it looks like, say for a year out, for example, say you're continuously getting the majority being male, because we do get more male applicants and female applicants and we get less BAME applicants than we'd like. Uh, so sometimes we will keep interviewing and saying, "Okay, oh, on, let's go back to the pile, let's look again, and try and really address, create opportunity that way. Um, then we will ultimately take the people that we think are right, but we will keep trying to broaden the net to find those people in a diverse way.
0: And it's quite an international office. I mean, you've got a lot of nationalities there.
1: It is. It's a very international office, it's wonderful, I feel utterly humbled by the amount of languages you hear spoken in our little cafe. I think the the British are so bad, generally, at not speaking languages, but we have a lot of Europeans, many of whom speak three, four, five uh, more languages. Um, Lots of Spanish, we had an office in Madrid for a long time, and so we have a a presence and an awareness there. Thus, the Spanish architectural education is amazing incredibly thorough and so we tend to get a lot of focus on construction and so this is sort of a natural fit similarly french we've done a lot of work in france and we get a lot of french applicants um so yeah we are definitely very european occasionally also australia we've had an office there for a while but it's primarily europeans
0: thank you very much uh jamie can i turn to you a very big office um uh, new York base, but with, with offices across the world, uh, I imagine you're quite a significant employer of new architectural talent. And how do, you, how do you go about the process of picking the people that are right for you?
2: Yeah, thank you, Paul. Uh, I would say we hire about 40 to 50 uh, young architects per year, and that doesn't include summer interns. We have a, a nice influx of uh, 30, 40, uh, people from area schools both in in London and New York uh, and a little in Shanghai too so that that creates another kind of dynamic but the the <clears throat> bringing people to the firm happens in a fairly decentralized way uh, because the candidates and the needs and the people uh, in London New York Shanghai Hong Kong uh, quite different uh, so but we we try to make it as personal as possible which of course makes sense it's it's uh, you know, bringing people to dedicate their lives to something that uh, we need to share uh, some sort of a point of view about some some sense of mission. So um, a little bit analogous to what Kim was mentioning, um, we, we have two or three uh, different partners, directors involved in hiring of any individual. And that becomes uh, uh, a conversation, of course, the review of the portfolio to look for something um, d- daring, a bit, uh, Innovative and uh, personally invested, invested, uh, you know, as one would want to see in any portfolio, uh, you know, for the sake of hiring somebody. But um, we make sure that there is a uh, designer because in projects that, that that are quite large, there are those in our firm who who operate more on the management side. But it's very important to us that no matter who's being hired, that the design component is represented strongly from, you know, from our side. And uh, often we try to find a sort of a fit between those who are uh, interviewing and the project, which the individual will go on to when she or he come to the office. So uh, I suppose that's kind of efficient because then we sort of know what we're doing once we've made the hire, but it, it also creates a little bit of a, a immediate bond between a senior member of the firm and usually a young employee. We we don't generally hire, uh, but out of school. In other words, we don't hire people with uh, years and years of experience. It, we tend to be a homegrown office. But um, I think that sort of a link of purpose between why you would like to come to the firm or we would love to have you join. And what project are you going to be working on? What stage is it at and where is it? And is it urban design or is it a a refit of a lobby, an entry hall, or is it an airport or educational institution? So those those kinds of um, matches, I think are, are uh, we're very fortunate when we can make those and we, and we try as much as possible to make that happen.
0: That's really interesting. I want to stick with you, Jamie, if I may, because I want to move on to a question of um, what you do uh, either formally or informally, to try to retain um, talented staff, particularly those that that you've recruited who who are fairly young, um, that that clearly are going to have a future uh, in the profession. Uh, Are there things that you do other than salary increases? Because everybody, of course, does salary increases in reasonable time. But uh, are there any particular things that you do to sort of nurture uh, careers and, and, and keep people on board with the ethos of the firm and the, and the success of the firm?
2: Yeah, I think that's, that's always um, in a way job number one, since we're all teaching uh, each other and teaching our staff all the way through. Uh, and, and usually things go well, but we notice as, as everybody does, when somebody uh, important to us, valuable to us, someone we love to work with leaves the firm we sort of rack our brains to ask, why did that happen? What did we do wrong? Um, and I'd say, so the factors that we, we think about uh, one, one of the most important uh, has to do with the continuity of the individual's time on a project. In, in other words, if a young architect can come and know that she or he is going to be working from the first day or, or their first day, but often early stages, of scratching the paper to come up with ideas for the project to the, the end of the project, to, to doing the site work, et cetera, then um, you know, it's a great recipe and formula for satisfaction and fulfillment. Yeah, you know, be, being sort of recognized, honored, and respected. After all, architects don't expect to be paid as much as bankers, but it's the experience and, and the, the sort of involvement uh, and, and the inclusion uh, that I think matters to to a young architect, so I, I think that's that's terribly important. Also, I was going to mention um, our work is is diverse geographically. Uh, maybe 35 30, percent of it within the United States. So um, the the phenomenon of of join the architecture firm and see the world is is not uncommon uh, in our younger staff or any of our staff. So uh, we try to mix up. The experience of, of the young architect from year to year to year, to give a variety of exposures to different cultures of uh, the site and the project and client, different building types, etc. So you know, stirring the pot, so to speak, and, and allowing for the this the the uh, firm to be a little bit like a university for uh, for the young architect to be able to sample the way one does take different courses in the American liberal arts uh, institution, an educational institution, is a nice formula. Uh, and also having um, lots of, of activities of, of, of lecturing and teaching and seminars with younger uh, staff participating within the firm. And that's been hugely important now, of course, in the COVID, COVID period where it's the only way we can keep in touch.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, Tracy, um, how about you? I mean, famously, the the the, the Sturk and the Harbour of, of the practice, Graham Stirk and Ivan Harbour, uh, were recruited at very young age and, and were made made directors at a very young age also. So there was a sort of um, there, there there was precedent there for this very very long lasting uh, nurturing culture. Uh, how do you do it now?
1: Yeah, it's true. We don't have a, a high rate of natural attrition of people leaving us. And so really, partly for us, if we're not going to continually expand and expand, it's, it's creating the opportunities for people to grow in the practice. And I, I would definitely agree that the continuity on a project is a big part of that. It's I think we all learn our most when so we go all the way through the process, go back to the beginning again, and the construction phase informs that first thinking. It's getting harder and harder to provide that for people because our involvement doesn't always go through to the end of projects anymore and a lot of projects are stop start. So we end up having to move people around to try and give them experience at different scales, different uh, project stages to try and build that wider experience. So it takes quite a lot sort of active intervention to try and make sure that they do keep learning and keep developing and not not get pigeonholed, because often if someone is extremely good at something, it's easy to keep going back to them to do that thing again. And we've been trying to address that by getting those people to then teach others the skill set they have, mentor others, which enables them to move on and do something different, but isn't leaving a gap. And that's worked quite nicely with helping share experience um, across the office. But, you know, sometimes it's good for people to leave, and there's a whole host of small practices, and even not small practices now, quite established practices, set up by people who have left us. And we tend to try and keep relationships with those people. And often, if we get work you know, in the heydays of having more work than we knew what to do with, we dream of those now, um, if we had projects that we felt were better suited to a smaller practice, we'd often pass those on to practices that have been formed from people leaving us. So sometimes it's a good thing.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, uh- And Kim, how do you handle these matters? How how do you keep the talent?
3: I think our office might be different from KPF, in that way that we, uh, as I said, uh, get most of our work uh, via uh, competitions, and we have a fairly big competition team. So when you come in as a young architect, you start there, normally. Uh, And if we, um, we should should win around 30% of, of, of our competitions and if we um, if we win a competition some of the team continues on the project afterwards and others go to another competition so um if you're part of the competition team you um, you get a lot of different uh, works during one year uh not continuously for five years or three years or whatever in in in, in uh, or two years whatever in in one project then then you are <clears throat> then you are uh, you're getting to know a lot of different uh Different project types and whatever, and I think that that can be um, interesting for 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 people as well, uh, and and, and uh, I reckon they 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 like that as well. And at the same time, we uh, try to educate our people all the time, so they they uh, we we pay for their courses and all all different kinds of uh, disciplines, uh, BIM and whatever, uh, and we take them on study trips every year. Uh, the, the teams go on on, on study trips uh, trips uh, around the world. So that's, that's a part of their education as well, uh, part of nurturing them as well. So it is, we look very much in, into the individual um, uh, education of uh, development of, of, of the people in, in, in that, that sense. And, and some, of course, start from the start of the project and to the end uh, of the project. I would say most of the people actually, as, as they start up in the competition department, will be part of, 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 of new things happening all the time. Personally, I think that's very exciting. Uh, I'm very much involved in the, com- in, in the competitions and I like to have new challenges uh, all the time uh, and, and new things to do. I like this uh, speed that's on it and I like um, the challenge with the innovation that has to be, to be on it all the time. Uh, and I think that's actually why people come to us is to be part of that uh, as well.
0: Now I'd like to turn to, and I'll stick with you, uh, Kim, just for the moment because um, I would like to turn to uh, what you've managed to do or what you've tried to do in this very unusual year with so many people uh, not working in the office anymore. Um, describe how you've tried to keep morale up and team spirit and what's it been possible to do to infuse staff who may be nervous about the future, nervous about employment, nervous about work coming in. Um, How can you promote positives? Let's stick with you on this one, Kim.
3: Yeah, we started when we ran into the COVID period, uh, crisis there in Mars, we were also nervous. uh, But it actually ended up uh, better than we expected, not with the COVID, but with uh, with the uh, work-wise. So we have had a... Better the year, better year than we expected this this year here as well. We started uh, quite early uh, to send people home to work remotely, but that was only for a shorter time, or six weeks I think. Then we started uh, pulling people back to the office again, uh, and um, and right now we actually uh, and for a long longer period we have been sitting at the office. Uh, we have had it under control. We actually now right now sending. Uh, have our staff back uh, to work remotely again, um, because the numbers are going up. Uh, and before Christmas, we hope that after Christmas we can be all here again. Um, so they have been part of uh, the office, and uh, and and everybody has been working together and had this great spirit. We had we have had a, a lot of success uh, this year. I must say with a, uh, with more wins than usually. Uh, and that's, of course, a thing to think about when we're not traveling so much. Then we concentrate more and we, we have a better outcome. But that, again, uh, makes uh, makes people happy about what they're doing because they can see something positive comes out of it. So that keeps the spirit up. I think right now the spirit is really high, except from the COVID. Uh, that's never going to be fun. Hopefully the vaccine I, I... comes here after Christmas.
0: Yeah. And do you think, do you think the, the, the world of, of endless meetings, especially internationally, uh, is going to change fundamentally as a, of, as a result of COVID? Or do you think that once we all are all vaccinated, it will be business as usual? I think it will change,
3: for sure. Uh, for example, um, in your own country, in London, we won a competition uh, for British land just before the, just before the COVID period came. And uh, our client asked us to uh, to start an office in, in London, then the COVID period came uh, and, and we couldn't be all the people that we wanted to be over there anyway. So, so we had to do things remote and we had to have the meetings uh, remotely as well uh, as Teams or, or Zoom meetings. And soon after that, we realized and the client realized that we can actually have a lot more... Meetings to be a lot more present uh, together with the client via these uh video this, uh, uh, sessions. So that they will work on after after this crisis here as well. I think uh, my personal travel will probably decrease to only half of it in the future, because we can now have meetings remotely a lot more, and everybody knows about it that we had before. So I think that's a that's a good thing. It's a good thing for us, and it's a good thing for the for the world, uh, sustainable as well.
0: Thank you very much. Um, Tracy. Um, what have you guys been up to? Mainly working from home, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, we did. We managed to get people back in sort of from September. Initially when we, we also shut down quite early, slightly ahead of the national lockdown um, and moved everyone remote. And it worked better than we thought, but there's no doubt that fatigue sets in quite quickly. and. We tried to do things like, um, you know, team meeting, not team meetings, office meetings, office presentations, mini talks, quiz nights. We really tried to sort of keep the morale going. And I think inevitably over time, the numbers dropped and the sort of fatigue set in. In September, we made a real push to try and get people who felt comfortable back in. We sort of reorganized the office, red team, blue team, different days for different projects. And we started to get some traction and really It was wonderful to have people back in the office and as much as you can do it remotely it's so much better coming together um but of course then we had the second lockdown so those numbers have dropped off and and now we're in the run into christmas we're very hopeful in the new year we'll really start to get the teams back in the office even if it's 50 50 and get that what we all miss by coming together which is not the the solving the problem necessarily, it's the wider influences, the wider conversations that I think enrich all of our working experiences and we're definitely missing that without a shadow of a doubt.
0: Thank you very much. Um, And Jamie, how how are things in NYC and indeed in your international offices? Because I imagine it would be very different in Shanghai to what it is in the States.
2: Right, so yeah, that's been uh, sort of an interesting experience in comparing uh, cultures, comparing governmental uh, restrictions or guidance about how we have to handle this, completely different, of course, in in Shanghai, Hong Kong, Seoul, Singapore, from New York, London. Uh, But in the New York office, and and London not so different, but in New York, we've been out for eight months, solid. Uh, We've opened our office to anybody who wants to come, but out of 450 people who normally inhabit the New York office, We have maybe five, four, three every day. So it's been totally voluntary. I think health is first, you know, New York was particularly badly hurt. The hospitals were full, the ICUs were overflowing. It was a a real horror scene back in March. And I think we we sort of, it became an article of faith that uh, we're not gonna go back to work until we need to and we don't need to now. Um, So uh, my feeling is that the the, the art, the craft, the profession of architecture is particularly well suited to this uh, remote practice. You know, it's unfortunate, we'd love to be together, but we were seized with uh, moments of panic in the beginning about how we could actually put together really complex sets of drawings for buildings that you know take years to produce. How could we begin to do that without seeing each other? But I think because all of our disciplines involve uh, spatial parameters, uh, dimensions, materials, drawings—things that we can all talk about and put on screen together—we, I think, as, as not not KPF, but but as as a, as a larger uh, group of professionals uh, and and tradespeople, we can handle this this separation very very well. Uh, so I, I would say it's hard to know the metric. You know, how do you compare the work from pre and during COVID? But Um, I would say uh, the quality of work is very high, the level of of, uh, inspiration in the work, as well as the completeness of the work, Uh, communication with clients always now a a very, very big issue. But I'd say around the world, everybody's risen to the occasion. There's a kind of um, uh, a a world spirit of we're going to get through this, And, and that's been very positive. Um, uh, influence on, on so much of what we do. So so yes, we'd love to get back, but we're not rushing back to the office anytime soon because I think, you know, none of us expect the, uh, the vaccines to really have a, a broad effect until June, July.
0: Thank you very much for that and a kind of positive note on which to bring this session to a close. My takeaway from this is firstly, that in terms of both um, recruiting and uh, and nurturing talent, that it's very much a business for uh, the leaders of the practice rather than uh, HR departments, um, that you're looking for people with design talent um, and and the people interviewing and nurturing are always going to have an element of design uh, at the forefront. And I think the the consequences of these approaches, which are not identical, but I think have things in common, uh, are clearly that you're all examples of successful practices uh, that that are doing more than surviving uh, in this awful year. So, um, Kim, Jamie and Tracy, thank you very much for your time today and uh, good luck for the new year and better times ahead. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Paul. Thank you, everybody. Thank
1: you.